Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his 18-year-old son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. This is episode 18. Is that right? 18? Has it been? 18. 18. Episode 18. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of this uh, weekly conversation that we have. My name is Brian. And I'm Jake. Now, The Kitchen Table, for those that are new to the program, is a uh, program we started, I guess, 18 episodes ago. Well, That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, I guess. And we do uh, faith conversations. We started this because we wanted to encourage generations to have these faith conversations. I think it's uh, a parent's number one ministry in life is to disciple their own children. And Jake is now a freshman in college, even though he is nearby us going to college. So we're able to continue to have these faith conversations. I just got to that point where like, man, I should have had more conversations. And this allows us to do this with this program. So uh, thanks mm-hmm. for being here this week. We do have a special guest, Megan, who does evenings at Shine.fm is with us. Hello. So glad that Megan is here. Uh, Megan. This is the way we do the uh, format of the program. We actually discuss a faith question for the first two-thirds of this program, and then we jump into a segment we call Music Matters, where we look at some new music and some old music, and then the uh, final segment we wrap things up is called Culture Shock, and we discuss something that's happening in our culture here in uh, the United States, or maybe it's something global. Let's get started with our faith question for today. So our faith question for today, why is it that so many teenagers run away from, not run away but like leave the church once they hit like a certain age when they become adults yeah (laughs) why do they walk away from the church do you have a thought on this because i'm asking you oh okay this is an an important question for me and i think for parents you know we're trying to raise our kids to be christians and and have that own personal relationship with christ and yet uh, it seems and i don't know if that's true or not that many walk away from their faith when they reach adulthood you have reasons you think that would be the case i think a big reason is teenagers are very connective people they need to have relationships they need to, to have trust in people and a lot of people in the church i'm not saying everyone what i've witnessed as a teenager is that some people think that teens are a part of like a different part of the church they're not the church like from what i've heard of conversation when they talk about teenagers oh just send them in their little corner like their youth room and don't put them with the actual service and teenagers are the church children are the church I think the church needs to realize, and it's starting to get to the the realization that everyone is a part of the church, no matter what age, no matter no matter anything, really. I think that's one of the big factors. Teenagers don't trust and don't feel that they are welcome. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. I think for me, like when I first thought of this question, I guess the first thing that came to my mind was a relevance. You know, when you become that age where you can decide for your own or when you get to college and you can decide, do I want to go to church or do I want not want to go to church? It's a matter of relevance. Is it still important to me? Do I really want those rules that I've grown up with? We always go to church on Sunday. That's another thing. The rules, I think, has a lot of it to do as well. But backing off of what you said about that trust, you know, when I was looking into some things on the internet about this, one of the big things was millennials don't want to be preached at. They want that relationship. They want that trust and they want someone who can walk alongside them and mentor them. I think a big reason that I still love going to church is because my home church was really well. Our motto is love God, journey together, and serve others. And I think that's just a great three-phrase motto that we've always had. I think that's a big factor because they live by that motto. They take the journey together. It's amazing because it makes teenagers and kids feel welcome. Um, We have a specific part of our service that is for, it's called the children's service, and that's where all the children come to the middle of the church, and they get a little mini-sermon about what 
the adults are getting. And I think that's a cool way of accepting and realizing that children are a part of the church. The thinking is that this is a phenomenon that's happening, that young people are just walking away from the church. I found an article by Ed Stetzer, who used to be like vice president of research at Lifeway. He's now on staff at Wheaton College. Brilliant writer, brilliant researcher, brilliant thinker. And he put out an article, it's been several years ago now, but he talked about the fact that they sensationalize the number, that 94% of young people are walking away from the evangelical church. He said that's not the case at all. He said those that are grounded in their faith, in their faith journey, that percentage is not there. They're not walking away from the church. Now, some do. Yes, it's yeah, that's true. They say about 70% of young adults ages 18 to 22 stop attending church regularly for at least one year. Studies among evangelical youth, so that's all youth, but if you look at evangelical youth, indicate the number is almost certainly much lower. Of those, 97% stated that it was because of a life change or situation that they dropped out. Uh, they simply walked away from the church because they wanted a break is 27%. 25% say they had to move to college, and that's the reason. They couldn't find another place that fit in around college. Yeah, that is hard. One of my friends, he moved to Decatur for college. He was home this past weekend. I was talking to him. I was like, so uh, he, he actually goes to college where my mom grew up. So I know the churches around the area. I know that they're good, and he doesn't have a car. And none of his friends are, are Christian don't want to go with him. Yeah. 58% of young adults indicate they drop out because of their church or pastor. So when they question further, church members seem judgmental or hypocritical was about 26%. They didn't feel connected to the people at their church, about 20%. We hear that a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. They're looking for people their own age. Yes. Yeah. And they connect with people their own age, and and they can't find a church that's really doing that. They have to really search for that. I think that also has to play into the, I don't know if you can call it style, but the type of service that you have. And I guess growing up, I've seen, I guess, a surge in popularity of churches that are geared towards youth, that have bigger worship services that are less traditional than like my church, or even the fact that we see jeans becoming more popular at church too. Growing up, it was, you never wore jeans to church, but now it seems to be a more popular thing to do. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. 52% indicated that some sort of religious, ethical, or political beliefs as the reason they dropped out. So that's about 52% changed their Christian views. And the reason that, that I wanted to discuss this topic this week is last week when we were discussing technology, you mentioned something in the show that, that talked about different voices are being spoken in to your generation because of all the technology that's available and all the messaging that can now reach people. 18% disagree with the church's stance on political or social issues. said they would only go into the church to please others anyway. Mm. 16% say they no longer wanted to identify with the church or an organized religion. found that was interesting. I found another bit of information on reasons. One of those reasons is the churches seem overprotective. What does that mean? Defining characteristic of teenagers today and young adults, their unprecedented access to ideas and worldviews, like I mentioned. This is uh, affecting them, their consumption of the popular culture. So as Christians, they express the desire for their faith in Christ to connect to the world that they're living in, and they're not finding that. Much of their experience of Christianity feels stifling, fear-based, risk-averse. Said one quarter of the 18 to 29-year-olds would say Christians demonize everything outside the church. Another large group says that the church is ignoring the problems of the real world. 
See, that's I saw that too in the little bit of research that I did that that young people want those problems of the world to be explained or to be talked about instead of having the church avoid those issues. They want to hear more about some of those harder things to, to discuss. So how do we do that in the local church setting? Mm-hmm. To be able to do and talk about controversial topics about that in church, you have to explain to your congregation that you may not agree with me, but this is what the Bible, you have to really base it off the Bible. Yes. You have to study God's word. You have to understand that this is what God wants. As a pastor, you you need to make sure that you're you're preaching from the Bible if you're talking about like a controversial topic or a really hard topic. But as a congregation, you have to understand that your pastor is still human. He's gonna he's like if he slips up and says something that really rubs you the wrong way, like he's still human. You need to respect your pastor for that because that's a hard topic, and I bet he doesn't want to talk about it, but it needs to be brought to light. Sure. I guess that's something I admire about the chaplain at Olivet, that he knows that there are hard topics to talk about, but he will still talk about them. And even in chapel, he will mention, I know this is hard and I didn't really want to talk about this today, but we've got to. Yeah. Another reason they feel that their experience in Christianity is shallow. It's lacking, uh, something's lacking in their experience of what church is. One third said that church is boring. A quarter of them said, faith is not relevant to my career or interest. It's kind of telling, isn't it? Another said that the Bible is not clearly taught often enough. Okay, yeah, that's important because I guess when I sit in a service, I want it to be based off of the Bible. Like you said, like when a pastor doesn't talk about the Bible or doesn't have a verse or scripture to back up what they're saying, then it makes me question, okay, what is the importance of this message and where are you getting your information from? From other people, from other sources, or is it grounded in scripture? And so that's really important for me is to have a service that's based off the Bible. 20% said, God seems missing from my experience of church. 20%. Mm, 20% that God is missing? Yeah. What this, what this is telling me, and actually I saw a study that was done, is that uh, millennials, when it comes to church, the word experiences, they want to experience God. You know, they are bombarded with messages because of technology and constantly being connected to everybody all week long. And they are truly looking for the word sanctuary comes up. They're looking for a place where they can disconnect from all that of the world and truly experience God. Is that what we're providing to truly have those deep conversations where we are discussing those things that they have questions about? Because another thing I was a part of, they were talking about how in school they're taught this, but then they come to church and their teachings are counteracting what they're being taught in the public school as they're growing up as teenagers. They're trying to figure out which is truth. We need to address those situations and we need to foster an environment where they are truly experiencing God. And it's about love and not judgment because these are words that keep throwing up. And when we talk about this kind of topic, this question, I just find that real interesting. Thank you for listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. Totally agree with the love and not judgment too, because as young people, I think we're constantly thinking about image. We Mm -hmm. think about, if I do this, will I be judged? Or got to have that perfect picture on social media so people can like it and people can think I'm good. But really, we just want to be be loved. We want that relationship. We want that trust. And I think that's really, really important in the church just to think about love and not judgment. Well, there are several other reasons here, and the, and we're not going to go into all of these. You know, one is this tension between, especially when it comes to science and the church, 
the church is completely anti-science. That's that's their wording. Um, the other is uh, experiences when it relates to sexuality and how it's simplistic. That's what the word that they use. It's simplistic. The other thing they talked about was the exclusive nature of Christianity. And again, this isn't just evangelicals. This is a wide path that was investigated during this. It says young Americans have been shaped by a culture that esteems open-mindedness, tolerance, and acceptance. We are more eclectic, the most eclectic generation, this millennial generation in American history, in terms of race, ethnicity, sexuality, religion, technological tools, and sources of authority. Again, kind of what spurred us talking about this today was all these voices coming in to our uh, young people now. Three out of 10 young Christians, about 29%, said churches are afraid of the beliefs of other faiths. That's interesting. I guess I wouldn't really, I've never thought about being afraid of what other religions believe. Well, the fact of the matter is, when it comes down to it, the true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a message of love, but it's also a message that clearly states there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, which basically means the other paths to God There's only one path, and it goes through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. That's anti-tolerance. Yes. The fact of the matter is, we can try to be as irresistible, the word that Andy Stanley uses, and we'll talk about Andy here in a minute. We can try to be as irresistible as possible to everybody, but the message of the gospel is love and accepting people, surrendering your life to Christ and asking for forgiveness of that sin and life change. And there's a group of people, I'm not going to say who they are because it's undefined, who believe that they can continue doing and living the way they are and be accepted, but that's not what Scripture says. Yes. It does say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Salvation is a free gift to anybody, but there has to be a life change in there. You have to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into this new way. And a lot of times we just forget that. Mm -hmm. Some people think that the church is hypocritical and judgmental. As a Christian, you're not going to be perfect. You're human. We're in a sin nature because of the fall of Adam and Eve. But if we are going to call people out on their sin, be open to getting called out on yours because you're going to. You can't take heat from it because just be open to being called out because it's a community and a journey together. We can't do that if we're always arguing. In an article I was reading, it says that most people who attend church and everyone you're trying to reach has Googled their way to an opinion on almost everything. They've binge listened to all these different voices, all these different hosts on television and podcasts and different things. And so they're coming to church with preformed opinions on pretty much everything. Now, it's not just going away to college that crumbles faith anymore. Many teenagers and young adults have YouTubed or Reddit their way onto their own views of God, Jesus, spirituality, and the church. So we have to realize that there are all these voices speaking in to young people today, and they're forming their opinions. You're listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. If you look at the way many Christians are approaching the culture today, you think the church is under siege from critics, and in some respects that is true. When you look more deeply, you'll see the real issue isn't hostility, it's indifferent. The indifference is much harder of an issue to deal with. Hostility means the person angry with you is still engaged. Indifference means you've lost them. It's a very different opponent from disagreement or hostility and difference. When the church no longer cares about the world, I actually tweeted this out a couple weeks ago. When the church no longer cares about the world, it should be no surprise to them that the world no longer cares about the church. People are looking for love, not judgment. We've talked about this. A lot of Christians are upset that culture is changing around them. A lot has happened in the last decade. Yes, we should be alarmed about that. But our response to culture seems to be to simply judge it. 
quite honestly, that's God's job. If God so loved the world, who gave Christians permission to hate it? Mm. When someone attends your church, they're hoping to find Jesus. And underneath all of that, they're hoping to find love. But too often they tell us that they're finding self-righteousness and judgment and arrogance and indifference. And quite honestly, it's heartbreaking. Do you think maybe that's a main reason why young people are walking away? Yeah, I've definitely heard that plenty before, that it's that judgment and it's that fear of being judged that many people don't want to go to church. Or I guess I think back on a quote that I've read before and I don't know who said it, but it's, you know, it's our job to love everybody and let God judge later. It's not our job to judge. And I think that's hard to remember sometimes for a lot of people especially for people who are just different than we are. But still, we have to have that constant reminder that we are a part of the church and our job is to love. With all of the love, all of the acceptance is the big factor that is pushing teens away because they're not feeling it. They don't feel accepted by the church and that's why they're like, oh, well, I should just quit trying because they've tried and tried again and it's just not working. Our culture is coming more and more post-Christian. There are now generations, a couple generations, who don't know the Bible stories from Sunday school that pretty much everyone knew three generations ago. So that's a post-Christian world. And a growing number of people are not sure how to even engage with the church. And they say that if you do the research, why you came to church is because a friend invited them. It was that simple. The majority say, a friend invited me. People aren't sure how to engage church. It's not just putting up a sign in the front lawn of the church saying, all are welcome. If you are a practicing Christian, how comfortable would you be to randomly walk into a mosque, a synagogue, or a Buddhist temple next week? Would you be comfortable enough to do that? I don't think I would be. And I think that goes back to what you said with the, a friend invited me. When you're going with someone, you know that person, you have that relationship, and you probably have a little bit of trust. But for me to walk into, I guess, another another institution just on my own, I would feel really uncomfortable. And not knowing those beliefs yeah. either, that's a, that's a major thing too. So out of clue, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, right, because there are all kinds of customs. When I was working on a master's degree, I, was, I took a class in religions of the world. We went to visit a mosque, and I didn't know anything. Oh, you have to take your shoes off? Oh, okay. Uh, and guys are on this side, and, and the ladies go on this side, and, and you're not together when you have worship? It was just all foreign to me. Well, we have to think like that too in a post-Christian society. This is completely foreign to them. So we have to create an environment where they're going to be comfortable. We have to answer their questions. Are we going to be welcoming enough when they come there? That's the question, the main one. Because more and more, our church is more like the social club. You come there and you have all these activities and it's all your friends. How do we open ourselves up to bring other people in? You're not sure when they meet, how they dress, what their customs are, what to do, where to go. I mean, the list is endless. You know, we have all these different versions of the Bible and the new versions come out and we say, well, we say it this way and we say it this way. And the post-Christian world uh, is saying, man, I don't care about all these versions of the Bible. I just want to know what the answer is. And here we are contemplating and worried about which version we're getting the answer from. And they just want the answer, whatever that is. They don't care if it goes back to the original letter that Paul put on papyrus to the church in Corinth. They just want the answer. So many people are, many preachers are out there covering what is Christianity, but ignoring the so what of Christianity. We have to drill down to the core issues, the so what's. Thank you for listening to The Kitchen Table, a father-son show talking about faith, music, and culture. I think from personal experience and in going to church with my friends at college, a big thing is when we talk about sermons, when we talk about chapel services, 
people want to know how it can apply to them. People want that, that life application to be talked about. That's how I would relate it right there. Millennials or young people, they just really want to know what does this mean to me? What can I do in my own life? Okay. To summarize, they're looking for love, not judgment. They want us to talk about the core issues and how these apply to my life. The so what of Christianity, not just the what, the so what. They want to experience God. They thrive on community and they want to be accepted into the community. I went to a church once and if you were a visitor, and some people might disagree with this, but man, I was a visitor there. I was speaking there. And so I was a visitor speaking, but every visitor was there. They had their name and they introduced the visitor from the platform. And this is not a small church, it's a larger church. And when they welcomed that person, the entire congregation, it was like the end of a football game in a stadium. They cheered and clapped. And as a visitor, you felt great that they cared enough to do that. Now that's weird. I mean, I've never been, <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in a church before. But what that does, it shows you as a people, man, they love you. They accept you. They're glad that you're there. I think we need more of that. Mm-hmm. So we discussed a lot today on that. And I don't know if we came up any solutions or not, but there's definitely some things we can do better to avoid young people walking away. And I think if we go back to one of the first things you said, Jake, of incorporating all generations in the church, making them feel connected and a part of this, giving them a voice in the overall mission of the church. And research shows that you get people involved in ministry and actually doing, not just being and consuming, but doing, it connects them deeper. Okay, well, that uh, closes up the faith question for today. We're going to move into a segment that we call Music Matters. Now, in Music Matters, we actually discuss some new music together. We started this part of the show because I, uh, of course, work in music radio, and I think I know all the music, yet Jake comes along with songs I've never heard of before. No, you don't. I don't know everything? No. Okay, don't tell anybody. Um, So this is what we do. We discuss new songs, and uh, Megan will bring a new song as well, and then I will go back for a classic because I've done this Jake's whole life, took my iPod when he was a kid and listens to all this older stuff, and so I continue to introduce old things to him that are songs from my past that are just great songs as well. So my first song today, I'm going to let them share a little bit about the song, is the group The Young Escape. This is a song featuring uh, the hip-hop artist No Big Deal. I'm down with it. Stop that. Okay. Uh, The song is called Love Me Like You. Here they are explaining it, and we'll hear a short little clip of the song. Hey, guys, this is McKenna from The Young Escape, and you're listening to our song, Love Me Like You. God's love is a forever kind of thing. I've always found that it's a love that never runs away when things get hard. His love stays because he never breaks a promise, and he never will. Way before I was acceptable, he chased after me. He knows my failures and my secrets. He knows the emptiness and the struggles that I face in life. And yet I get to stand on his perfect, real love that never ends. And you know, I think the more that we understand God's love, it makes us unstoppable because we never have to depend on people or on our circumstances to fill us up. So for all of the broken situations in life that don't make sense and for everything that's fallen out of place, just know that you haven't fallen out of God's love and that you never will and that nobody's gonna love you like Jesus. As you say, I can dig it. I'm just not that hip, sorry. (laughs) 
All right, so my song for the week, it's a famous artist. It's Lauren Daigle. Everyone knows Lauren, but it's from her newest album. Here comes my oldie, but redone oldie. The song is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, which is a, a, a classic. Is, is it a, an official hymn? It's a hymn, yeah. It's a hymn, okay. She just takes this and puts, I'm a drummer, and so she puts this sick, nasty beat behind it, and I love it. Sick, nasty sick, beat. Nasty. Is, is it That's good. good. That's okay. a good, that's right. a good thing. It's translating. Um, and it's just, it's it, it's like one of those songs that you want to like, I don't know, you just want to groove to it. And it's really fun. So here's a little bit of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Lauren Daigle. That is a sick, nasty beat yeah, as, as you uh, <laughs> shared that. So uh, Megan, your song. I chose Scars by I Am They, which first of all is so so fun to listen to in a sense that it has really great harmonies and for my sisters and I and my mom when we're in the car you know we love to sing along to the radio and so when my sister had the I Am They CD she really wanted to listen to this song and then we all listened to it and of course my sisters are like let's listen to this one again because the harmonies are just so great but I also think it has a message that is really powerful because you know each of us is a different person we've each been through different things and so you know to be thankful for those hard moments in life that have led us closer to God. That's really a really neat perspective in this song. Yeah, great song from that band. Yeah, I've always liked I Am There. Okay, we're going to go back now to the oldie but goldie, which is what Jake calls this little yeah, segment. Oldie of but goldie. Uh, we're going to the year 1986. One of the top songs from that year is by an artist named David Meese, who is actually a pianist uh, more than anything. And he had a song called 70 Times 7. Of course, you all know that reference from scripture. Great, powerful song from David. And we're going to listen to a little segment of that from 1986, David Meese, 70 Times 7. But I always seem to like the oldie but goldies. See? And you thought that there were no good music <laughs> before the year 2010. Um, I'll disagree with the 2010. All right, well, that's Music Matters. Okay, and Culture Shock this week. Yeah, We have discussed a influential Christian in Hollywood, Chris Pratt. Right, we discussed his speech oh, yeah. at the was it the VMAs, MTV Awards? Music I think it was MTV. Okay, that's what it was. We discussed one of his speech in an earlier episode. He is a vocal Christian in Hollywood. He was recently asked about is there an anti-Christian bias in Hollywood, mm. and I wanted to uh, play his response in this interview. It is the time that it is, and and uh, I don't know that I'm so much more motivated by necessarily the w where the world is, or if it's just what I'm feeling called to do right now. I think it's a combination of both things, and it feels like an important time for that, and it, it is an authentic thing for me, and that kind of a message, it might not be for everybody, but there's a, there is a group of people for whom that message is designed, and I, and I it makes me, it, nothing fills my soul more than to think that maybe some kid watching that would would say, hey, I, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about praying. Let me, let me let me try that out. You know, that's like the only way I feel like I could repay what has essentially been a giant gift in my life. It's funny, from my understanding, the way I've seen it, really, and 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 I've worked with, in Hollywood now for a few years, and for the most part, you know, it gets. Uh, some people will accuse, I think, Hollywood of being very far left and being very progressive and, and thus, like, 
resistant to any type of religious ideas, but it seems they're kind of open to anything, including religious ideas. You know what I mean? So like, I've never had anyone in Hollywood say, hey, stop saying that. And I think that there's this narrative that exists out there that Hollywood is anti-Christian or anti-religious, but it's, it's just not the case. They're kind of not anti-anything. You know, they're kind of pro whatever's authentic to you. And I, and I like that because for me, it's authentic for me to be pro-Christian, pro-Jesus. That, that's my thing. You know, I like it. And uh, I've never had anyone try to shame me to my face. Maybe they go say it behind my back. But if that's the case, go ahead. You can say whatever you want about me. To my face or behind my back, I'm not going to change. So that's Chris Pratt's thoughts on whether Hollywood is anti-Christian. He says they're open to anything. Open to anything, that's can be classified as sort of agnostic stream, just being open to anything. Do you think that's true from just your perspective of what you've seen coming out of Hollywood? I can see it. That they're open to anything? Yeah. Here's my question. Bottom line in Hollywood, what's the most important thing? Money. Money. So has Christianity just become a segment of the marketplace and that's why they're open to anything? I think it's because they want money. And so if they say something that goes against like Christian views, they're obviously going to lose a lot of money. In my opinion, if Christianity is something that can generate money for Hollywood, there is some definitely some questions to be asked, but I, I definitely have the feeling that if Christianity is still a part of Hollywood, that's still a good thing, though. Absolutely. That it's definitely important for movies to be made with a Christian perspective. Yeah. And there are. There are literally dozens of Christian films being made every every year in Hollywood. Very few of them are really good, <laughs> unfortunately. I was about to say I'm, something. I'm the worst critic when it comes to Christian films. I am. I, I think we should do things excellent. And I think uh, production, because of equipment today and the accessibility of equipment, uh, production's great. I think script writing, for the most part, is really good, if not great. When it comes to Christian films, we don't hire professional actors. That's where we fall short. And I'm sure it's budgetary issues. Now, there are exceptions to that. I thought, you know, Bart's uh, from Mercy Me, his movie I Can Only Imagine, Dennis Quaid was in that playing his father. Mm. I thought the acting was very well done. Just an overall great movie. But then there's other times when they create these, quote, Christian films based upon the Bible, like the latest movie about Noah. I was actually invited <laughs> to a premiere, and as I'm watching this thing, I'm like, why is Yoda in Noah? <laughs> What are these giant rock creatures? I, I was so confused. Yeah. And and again, the director of that film, an atheist. Okay. So you just have to be careful when it comes to that. We need to be praying for Chris Pratt and others. There, I, I, When I was out um, in the L.A. area last year speaking at a church, I actually had someone come up to me who worked in the industry, and there is a fellowship of Christian actors and actresses in Hollywood, and they meet regularly. So be praying for them. Well, that wraps up Culture Shock. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, we don't know if we answered so many of the questions other than uh, just continue the discussion on them. Thanks for Megan for hanging out with us today. Thank yeah, you. Megan. <laughs> and of course, uh, each and every week, we uh, bring you a faith question, more music, more culture. And uh, we love for you to give us your feedback. Love for you to give us a question if you want us to uh, talk about a question. The best way of doing that on the Shine.fm Facebook page, we have a group called The Kitchen Table. And so you can be a part of that group and just post that there on the Shine.fm Facebook page, The Kitchen Table Groups. Thank you so much for hanging out this week. And we'll uh, talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm Podcast Network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.